Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of NST and Things, uh, episode 8, we are officially out of 2021, or 2020, jeez, I'm already confused, and uh, 21, 2021 has started, and um, wow, I, uh, I got a lot to cover in this episode, um, it's been a while. Uh, lots happened through the remainder of of 2020 in a <clears throat> you know variety of different ways. We've had a lot of great things come out of this year, uh, and I hope some other people are experiencing that as well. Uh, a lot of unique cases, um, some good, some bads, uh, you know, business stuff, um, lease renewals, uh, everything. So let's kind of dive into it. Um, really just, uh, reflecting back on this year, I can't be really kind of more happy with the situation. Um, I think I'd mentioned this in the last episode, everybody's handled, you know, the pandemic different and what's kind of going on. And, um, some of us are limited, you know, due to where we live and it's, uh, it's understandable and it can be frustrating and, um, uh, everybody kind of has their own fight. So when I was, you know, looking at my battles, um, I kind of was realizing what I needed to do, uh, you know, for myself to get some, uh, some things off the ground and get some things progressing. So, you know, initially, like for a lot of people that, you know, month off or so, uh, was nice. We got to, you know, spend a little more time with our families and reflect. And then, you know, reality sets in that it's not, uh, it's not a fairy tale. And I had mentioned this, you know, last time that, you know, you can't just think you're going to be saved. Um, and you have to figure it out. And that goes in every category of your life, whether it be, uh, you know, practice, if you have one or, um, family stuff, uh, whatever the case may be. So, you know, I went about, you know, just not necessarily making a list, but making a list of, you know, I need to kind of address these, these line items and was really trying to, uh, focus on where, maybe some stress, uh, was coming at my own life, um, and feeling, you know, trying to figure out how, how could I be a better therapist? Um, you know, we always kind of learn new things, but, uh, I'm always trying to, you know, push myself. And I feel like at times I hit plateaus and, you know, new revelations don't come to me. And then, uh, I make some changes, uh, or something happens or something shifts and all of a sudden, you know, some new doors are open. So I realize that, you know, my, my door situation hadn't changed much. So I started kind of, you know, uh, readdressing some stuff and, um, I'm sure there's people out there, maybe some that aren't, uh, familiar with the, uh, I believe it's professor. Anyway, Jordan Peterson, he, uh, has this concept of, you know, kind of cleaning your room and, uh, you know, obviously anybody can kind of apply it to their life as far as, you know, kind of getting order, uh, taking care of things that are, you know, your responsibility, assuming responsibility, uh, and in some cases, assuming responsibility that's, you know, maybe not yours, um, but you may be a piece of it, you know, or it could be affecting you in some way. And uh, what I was finding is as I, you know, quote unquote, cleaned my room, um, I was becoming a better therapist. Um, you know, I kind of got into some better morning routines and rituals. And I'll tell you, having some consistency, you know, getting um, more physical activity, 
Um, all of this has helped uh, a lot. Uh, just changes, you know, your perspective and, you know, with the limitations that we may or may not have in certain uh, states, you kind of have to prioritize, you know, what can you do for yourself? Um, obviously, mental health is a, uh, a huge component <clears throat> to all of this that unfortunately gets overlooked. Um, but as I found, you know, kind of starting to get things in order, um, you know, you genuinely feel better. Um, you know, good morning routines, like I take the dog out and go for a walk every morning. For me, that helps, you know, kind of get me going, kind of ground me for the day. Uh, I take the dog, calms him down. Um, and, you know, just kind of, it gets things going. But what I'd find is I, once I created that shift, I started finding the shifts, you know, at the office too. And um, I started finding some really th unique things with patients. And um, one of them, uh, I guess we can kind of dive into and <clears throat> take a little off path here. Um, she's been a patient for a while dealing with a frozen shoulder issue. And, and this is definitely a long-term case. And she's kind of a, she's in a position to be a long-term case. And the fact that, you know, financially she can support, you know, the best treatment options and she's done countless other things. Um, but even when, you know, this patient kind of showed up, I knew it would be a bit of a problem. And, um, even just feeling her tissues, I could feel something was a bit off. So anyway, um, the short of it is she had a, uh, uh, breast augmentation surgery years ago. Um, ended up with some TMJ issues as well. You know, that started facilitating some issues in her neck. Well, then the entire time her immune system was reacting to these implants, which I guess is a thing uh, women are realizing, or maybe it's been known about, and maybe it's just getting some more attention now. Um, <clears throat> but this woman, for those who don't know, uh, and I haven't confirmed this with any doctors, but this was what her surgeon stated when he removed them, is that the implants will, uh, uh, I guess the way he phrased it is they breathe. And he will weigh the bags or, you know, whatever it is, um, after the fact and see if it is the, in fact, the same weight it was when it went in. And I guess what some women are dealing with are toxicity issues, um, or something, their body's leaching out of it. I don't fully understand it, but in this case, um, this patient, her body was almost behaving like, um, an autoimmune condition, uh, which I am familiar with. So the, uh, the body's response to kind of attacking this area caused some encapsulation, which led to scar tissue that had to be kind of, you know, broken down and treated. Um, but what I've realized as after all this time, um, she, you know, it'd be up and down, up and down, up and down. And I've never felt this on patients before, but it's as if you can imagine almost like... <clears throat> I want to say her whole body, but maybe even just like the upper portion, uh, especially around both shoulder girdles. It's as though the, the, the skin is thicker, you know, the tissue's thicker. Um, and I noticed this in the beginning because, you know, as you become more experienced as a therapist, you just, you feel stuff with your fingertips and you've developed better palpation skills. And what I was finding is like, it felt like she had adhesions, you know? So when I, I describe like scar tissue and adhesions to people, it's like, okay, well, you know, you're, you're having this collagen response 
you know, uh, coming along with the inflammation. And as it lingers or as it maybe intensifies in certain areas, um, if it's a bad condition or, you know, bad healing, uh, uh, or not a bad healing response, but you know, if it's a wound as far as like a, a cut, um, your body's going to lay down some more scar tissue. It may even kind of pull the skin down and attach it to the fascia underneath a little bit and you'll get a little bit of a ridge. Um, in her case, it was like she had scar tissue light. She had adhesions that almost seemed to, with the inflammation, and I feel like with the immune response that was going on, uh, it was like there's just there's cobwebs everywhere. I mean, that's the only way I can try to describe it. So this patient has really, you know, begun to teach me a lot. You know, I, I would notice these things in the beginning, but you're like, oh, well, you know, maybe it's a little... Uh, you know, ischemic from, you know, the blood flow changes and there are some restrictions and the tissue was tender and, you know, anyway, started working kind of through all this stuff. And, um, here we've made a lot of progress and she has come a long way, but we're still having difficulties, still, um, uh, some still struggles with her. And this was kind of one of the, the recent things that I kind of came about was almost kind of just like going, all right, well, we've tried everything else. <clears throat> We know there's, you know, some buildup uh, under the skin and things do feel thick. So, you know, let's try to roll it out. Let's try to, you know, do some more frictioning. So what I ended up doing was kind of, kind of a combination of both, um, you know, do some skin rolling, things like that. But also, um, you know, tractioning her arm, um, trying to cross fiber, uh, especially her tricep attachment. It seems to be really bad. And because... You know, the implants cause a certain amount of internal rotation and protraction of her shoulder blade. Uh, it's like the, you know, where her teres and her triceps, you know, kind of uh, cross each other. That whole area is so congested and so adhered. You know, like I was kind of saying earlier, um, it's just been unbelievable to see how much it's taken to try to get things, you know, to let go and to get benefited. Uh, and mind you, this patient did have like, a, she had a car accident in the middle of all this too. So, um, you know, little, little whiplash to, uh, to throw in with all that to kind of get things flared up. And, um, it's just, you know, it goes to show you, I've been doing this, I don't know, eight, 10, 11 years. I don't know what it's been, uh, since 2011, I think I started the office in 2013 and, um, considered myself to be, you know, a skilled therapist. And, uh, you know, here I am battling, you know, adhesion problems with, um, under the skin, but you know, this just kind of goes to show you sometimes lessons come back and, and reteach you. Sometimes, you know, you think you may, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to get this whipped cause I'm going to address the, the obvious, you know, things, the, the, the thick scar tissue, the, the, the dysfunctional muscle. And meanwhile, you're maybe noticing some things are a little out of sort and maybe just haven't given it the time. So, um, you know, check it out. Make sure you uh, go back and reassess, you know, patients, look at old far, uh, old charts. I think about, you know, some of the patients I'd seen back, you know, when I first started. And, boy, I'd love to see them again because you, you just evolve. You know, you learn things as, uh, as time goes on. So if you feel a little, you know, demoralized in a sense because you've, you know, had a flop on a patient or things aren't working out or I've talked to, to uh, students and uh new therapists alike that, you know, they're working on somebody and maybe there's something simple that needs to be done. And 
Um, it's overlooked, you know, patients can be very insistent. I've had people freak out on me and, you know, demand that I work on certain areas. Um, but they just don't understand. And, and I understand that can be, you know, complicated and it can be a problem with, you know, getting the desired effect you want for patients, but, um, be persistent, try, try again, try again, try again, try again. Um, on to my Bella shark. So interesting. I had, um, or it's kind of ongoing, I guess, progressing, uh, situation with my daughter. Um, Bella is two and a half, a little over. She'll be three in April. And, um, she had two falls back in, oh, I'd say this was every bit of three months ago now, but you know, at the time it was probably two months before, or the injury was two months uh, before I had treated her. And she was kind of developing this like odd stutter and some things were just a bit off. And, you know, she's let me work on her in the past and things go pretty well. But, um, what I found was pretty, pretty profound. And I've, I've seen this in actually another patient I saw just this week. Um, so basically the short of it is, you know, she had had this fall, hit the left side of her head. Uh, once was at her, uh, her Nana's house. And then she, uh, uh, she hit her head again at our home and she, she had some light bruising and some swelling. So, you know, we monitor, monitored her. Um, she did fine. You know, there wasn't any sort of, uh, nothing neurologically that was kind of coming out, but we noticed some swelling and, you know, applied some ice, did our diligence and then just kind of, you know, waited. And I've learned through experience that if you endure an injury or you endure a trauma and you're a therapist or, you know, a therapist <clears throat> and they do this kind of work, um, don't go get it worked on that day or like immediately I have put myself in terrible, terrible amounts of pain, uh, trying to correct something um, too soon. Uh, I'll call it, uh, I don't understand the mechanism, uh, entirely, but it seems as though your body wants to, it needs to appreciate the process and, and go through the process to an extent of enduring a trauma, reacting to the trauma, sending resources to address the trauma, and then letting the neurological system settle in that area before you try to influence it externally. Um, I put myself in, myself in, like I said, just terrible amounts of pain, trying to treat something too quick. I'd injured my hand one day, uh, doing jujitsu. <clears throat> I hurt my ankle training for a half marathon. I've really put myself in a bad way, you know, putting <laughs> knowledge to the forefront and just going, Oh, well I'll just fix this. And, uh, what happens is, is your body almost has a what we find with, you know, lifts sometimes is that rebound accommodation, your body gets pissed, it pushes back. Um, so it's, you know, let that healing crisis just kind of unfold and let it, you know, appreciate it for what it is. Um, so with her case, you know, when I had seen her, the swelling and the little, you know, lump on the side of her head, I was like, you know, we're not going to mess with anything. We're going to let that settle. Cause if there is inflammation there, um, I know her cranial bones are adjusting for it. So, what we ended up finding or what I found was the, all the swelling that occurred on the left side had actually pushed her cranial bones apart. Um, and not that it was like this, you know, massive golf ball hanging off her head, but, you know, your head gets a little, your kid gets a little nod or you get a little nod on your head. 
that increased blood will it it basically needs a place to go so your cranium is going to create vectors which are just cranial pressure so when we see cranial bones converge on one another uh, think of it like a, a calorie just a unit of measure there's pressure there intracranial pressure so sure enough when i measured her you know her her uh, temporal bone her ear was flexed um, she had all these vectors on the right side of her head and everything had opened up on the left well what had ultimately occurred um, which this is still kind of ongoing and evolving is I found the all of that created a rotation in her neck the rotation through um, a somatic to somatic reflex a muscle reflex is keeping or is perpetuating this distortion of keeping the rotation forward on the right. So it's like she had all these vectors on the right side, her cranium was flexed on the right side, and everything was locked down. And poor little girl, I ended up having to, I had to work on her scalp, I had to work on her neck to get that to start to open up. And then when I realized things weren't changing the way that I had hoped them they would, uh, and mind you, this distortion. I can only assume because she was, I've checked her and checked her and, you know, she's been pretty good all along. Um, but after this swelling of everything settled, it just kind of went unchecked for a couple months. So all of this was changing over like 60 days or adjusting, you know, her body was adapting and the, uh, basically some of the muscles in her jaw were reflexing into some of the, um, the anterior suboccipitals and by getting those to release the reflex stopped um, it started to move and, and fall back. And then I was able to do some, some cheek work and some other stuff to help. Um, and she got a lot of work that night, but it made quite the difference. <clears throat> I noticed there was a, a difference in the stuttering, stuttering immediately. Um, the one thing I've continued to notice though, is she does carry, uh, tension in her lower mandible, um, through her anterior cervical spine and, you know, she's kind of a guinea pig, uh, which I am too. I feel like my entire family is. Um, there's, we already know, you know, the text neck and all that sort of stuff is going to be influencing this entire generation and every generation to come until we start having, you know, screens float in front of our faces. So, um, with that being said, you know, as much as you try to govern it in your own home, uh, your child's going to use some sort of a electronic device at some point during the day. And I think this is a contributing factor. Um, I think she does have, you know, I don't want to say, I can't compare it to other kids. I don't want to say that there's more or less tension than other children because I know some kids have more screen time than others, and that would be the ultimate contributing factor. But I will say there's, you know, something to be said for tucking your chin to your chest and allowing that tissue to contract all day and then expecting your jaw um, or your tongue or the floor of your mandible to, uh, conduct itself properly. So this is something that, um, although I got her cranium to realign, I know certain things are going to want to continue to go out, um, until I, you know, continue to work on her jaw and get that to continue to loosen up. And, you know, with kids, especially being under three, um, pain is a difficult concept to describe. Um, no one likes hurting their child. Um, but if, you know, it's gotta be done, it's gotta be done. Um, but you also want to try to, you know, tread lightly and I don't know, I guess they lay a healthy foundation so that <clears throat> obviously they, they understand that it's not being done to harm them, but to help them. 
um, and to help them better understand what pain actually means. I feel like that's a, um, a concept that's been lost uh, over the years. And, you know, people look at pain like it's the end all, you know, this is the worst thing ever. And um, we need to begin to appreciate it better as a, you know, for what it is, for a signal that's saying, hey, something's gone wrong. <clears throat> There's dysfunction here that we can't correct or maybe we've corrected for and it's leading to other issues. Um, and instead we go, ooh, pain, and we shy away from it. So um, although, you know, her cranial measurement t- did get better and the stutter improved, like I said, this is going to be kind of an ongoing battle, I think, and it's partly just due to the fact that the environment, you know, with the um, the head forward posture, and I mean, you know, I'm going to put tablets and stuff like that on the cross, but um, this can be said for, you know, any scholar and, you know, she could be playing in the room with blocks. It doesn't matter if you're looking down at a desk, you're, uh, you're generating this kind of the same position. So, um, my mind has begun to wander now and think of ways to obviously get your child to do things more routinely where they limit screen time and stuff like that. But can we do... Can you get your child into a practice of extending, you know, opening themselves up? Um, you know, yoga, great concept, all that sort of stuff. Um, you can't get kids to do certain things. So um, kind of get out of your adult mind for this and think of maybe some ways you could be playful with your child um, or funny things you could get them to do uh, or a game, you know, where they look up. And I think what we can begin to do is we can begin to you know, help influence their posture, um, by keeping them in check, um, helping create, you know, some pattern breaks, uh, maybe at the end of the day, you know, helping them stretch. I mean, Bella stretches with us all the time, or she wants to do Pilates with mom. And, um, it's hilarious. She'll get out her map and she's like, you come stretch with me. So, you know, they, when they see it, they adopt these, these ideas, um, and a way of living ultimately. Um, those are some things that we've, you know, agreed on as parents that, you know, we were like, Hey, you know, physical activity, um, stretching, you know, eating well, these are staples, uh, that we want our children to understand and learn. So what are we going to do to reinforce that? Cause then it comes back to accountability to you, which comes back to what we started off with, which was mental health, cleaning your shit up, get your act together, you know, do it for you, do it for someone else doesn't matter just get it done so um actually before i uh i even go into another one well i have another case but another whole topic is i had another young man um he was probably i want to say 10 i might be off by a couple years um super super nice kid and it's going to be interesting to see how this all evolves but i basically had treated mom dad the grandma he came in was having GI issues. I love when patients come in with GI issues, um, having, de- you know, dealt, uh, and I don't want to use the word survive. I beat Crohn's like I don't have Crohn's anymore. I had it. They said, Hey, you know, this is you, you have inflammation X, Y, Z. I beat all that. I don't medicate. I don't do anything. I contribute NST to, you know, some of my getting better, but there are also things that I had to do. 
um, I realize now that many people do the things that I initially started, but they never found NST. And when I get patients in, even young patients with GI issues, um, there's usually some other things going on as far as maybe like headaches or migraines. Um, what kind of GI issues are they? And this young man was having um, very specific problems. So the the kind of short is he would eat, and we looked at his diet. We looked at kind of, you know, a variety of foods of what he was eating. And his brother was lactose. He's not, you know, any of those types of contributing factors. And when he first came in, this kid had scoliosis. Like, plain as day. I mean, stood up, hip was hiked, spine was all curved. Not anyone at the school had made note of this. Um, which, kind of good and bad that they didn't. Uh, good in the sense that after treating him the first time, uh, that scoliosis drastically improved. And part of the reason for that is because he was functionally um, stuck. So he had what appeared to be a functional leg length issue. His hip was really hiked up. His spine was uh, deviating, accommodating for it. And then his, uh, his cranium was shifting as well. Unfortunately, his cranium and his hips, his pelvis, were stuck going the same direction. And in our line of work, that's a no-go, right? doesn't work. Your body doesn't like it. Biomechanically, you feel like crap. So I go, okay, well, this is you know pretty obvious. Let's get this to open up and then you know, probably in the coming treatments, the cranial stuff will improve or if not stabilize. So, um, that's where we started and, uh, great progress initially got him straightened out. Um, some of the discomfort pain he was feeling that went away. That was good. Um, then he came back in and between when I'd seen him, he'd had a chiropractic adjustment, which not that I, you know, I'm against chiropractic, but I'm always leery. So I will, I rechecked his cranium and fortunately he didn't lose anything. So nothing, nothing shift shifted. Um, not sure what was adjusted, but nothing moved. Um, so he was still experiencing some pain at the base of his skull, did some decompression work, got that to open up. And then, um, his third treatment, he came in and by this point it's like, okay, why is he still having symptoms, right? So we start looking at everything again. Well, what I found out was the he he basically had a structural leg length. He developed a functional imbalance on top of that. His Lovett reactor system got stuck due to some jaw things that were going on and some head and neck things that were going on. And once we corrected all that, what I found was he, you could see the structural leg length when he stood up, when he laid down, everything looked great. And this kid, when he would eat, he would have, um, he'd want to throw up and he would throw up. It was like, so, you know, imagine sitting down eating, you'd stand up, walk to your room and he'd get sick. So, and I've never seen someone react to a leg length like this before or this quickly. So what was happening uh, and I don't know at what point his body decided, you know, it couldn't do this anymore or manage it, but he would eat, he'd be sitting down, everything is fine. And when he's sitting, he doesn't have like a hemi pelvis. Like he's not tilted in any way that way. So he's, he's sitting down, everything's level, all the pressure's off his head. And that's why some of his, uh, the gastro stuff and the, um, uh, throwing up had it improved in the beginning because we had alleviated some of these pressures. So say you gain like 20%. Well, there's still like 80% to make, right? So 
um, we do this other stuff and find out, oh, okay, you know, we didn't fully get the, the leg length to go away. He has a structural one that was underneath this other stuff, but good news when he lays down, that pressure is not there. So we need to make sure that when he's upright, he's not causing these compensations. And sure enough, that was it. Um, his fourth visit, uh, mom brought him in at this point, they had, um, seen the gastroenterologist at this point as well, like a, for a follow-up and <laughs> it's almost, it's wild. So the mom says, um, 80% of his symptoms went away. Um, he's not vomiting. He feels better. Um, from the conversations I had had with him, had the cloudiness and thought had improved too. Um, I know he, I don't know if he's, I don't think he's classified as a learning disability, but I think he does get some assistance, some help in some way. Um, and, you know, just conversation talking about having like cloudy thoughts and, you know, kind of a foggy mind. He would take note of that stuff like that. And he knew those, you know, that was a struggle he was dealing with every day. And as we made these corrections, all that was fading away. And when he came in, he was just the last time he was just so much more vibrant, so much more active. Um, he had more energy at the end of the day, which is great because he plays, you know, a variety of other sports. Um, and <laughs> mom, you know, when they're at the doctor goes, well, what? So we put this, you know, this support in a shoe and it seems to be helping, you know, X, Y, and Z has changed. And, um, you know, kind of asked the doctor, why do you think this helped? Or, you know, what could have been going on in the doctor said very plainly that, you know, oh, well, <clears throat> you know, a nerve must have just been being compressed and, you know, that just, you know, it alleviated the pressure and <clears throat> there went the symptoms. Now, yeah, that's what happened. But, and we're not trying to say that doctors need to have all the answers, but the mother was rather taken back by the fact that, you know, she'd been going to a practitioner that wasn't telling her anything really other than taking tests and reading the results of them. And then when she came to something that actually helped, the doctor asked no questions as to why it helped or what occurred or, um, you know, uh, oh, cranial bones move. Well, you know, why didn't you know that? Why didn't you understand that there was, you know, there could potentially be structural imbalances that could lead to this young man's issue after you've went through countless tests to figure out what's going on and you're coming up short, <clears throat> And then you just, you know, kind of off the cuff, oh, yeah, you know, maybe just a nerve was impinged and they took pressure off of it. Like, why? So you understood that's what was going on and you didn't know how to change that or you didn't want to? Like, what kind of game are we playing here? So, you know, this is what I'm starting to see more and more stuff with kids, obviously, because they have mine and you're just in the realm. Um, but it, it's just mind blowing. What? you know, what kind of goes under the radar or what gets passed off is, you know, poo-pooed, you know, not a big deal, et cetera, et cetera. So um, if anyone has, you know, kids out there that they've worked on in the past or maybe, you know, family members or something, um, and they have, you know, some of these issues, like I said, this was kind of a rare situation for this young man to have um, a structural imbalance under a functional one. And uh, like I said, I mean, he'd walk to the other side of the house and throw up, get sick, uh, shortly after eating. So it's like, I mean, that, that imbalance was affecting his vagus nerve 
and was creating distortions all the way up the system, at, even after I created the or correct the functional stuff, was perpetuating imbalance so quickly that by the time he got to the other side of the house, boom, full-blown reaction, vomiting in the bathroom. Food for thought, folks. Food for thought. People think these things could rise over months and years, and not so. Not so. Just because they're there one day and you correct them doesn't mean, you know, they're not going to re-manifest or refacilitate. If they are, you need to be looking deeper. What else is going on there? All right. So, um, oh, we'll switch it up. We'll do, uh, let's, let's dive into some business stuff here for all the business folks toughing it out during 2020. So, uh, it's been insane at the office. Um, we lost a therapist this year and I mean, my schedule is always pretty busy, but what I've noticed is, um, I'll get to a point where I'm like, I don't know, two, three weeks out. So I think currently this is, we're doing this on January 2nd recording. So I think we're into March, I think, um, which is great, great job security and everything. Um, it's, you know, a bit unique uh, with the work situation right now, just because of, you know, uh, some of the requirements or not requirements, just recommendations and, uh, certain people feeling, you know, this way or that way. So we're trying to do our best and, and having a smaller office, I will say, in that regard does help. Um, it takes some stress off people. It makes it a little bit easier. I will say I am uh, very blessed in that regard that, you know, we've been able to kind of, you know, step back into what we were doing, uh, relatively easily, and um, not have any issues. Um, I mean, we just had the health department come by the office the other day uh, or the other week, um, you know, got a couple high fives from them and, you know, we're on our way. So things are going well. Um, my advice to everybody during this is, and I've talked to certain students that or therapists, I should say that, um, you know, their, their hands are tied to an extent. Um, you know, they have patients that feel a certain way about what's going on. Um, they're not comfortable having like oral work done. There's other people that don't mind, uh, you know, some of the cases that I've re referenced, uh, and trying to get some of these cranial distortions to go away. Uh, even in my daughter's case, we're working in the mouth. Okay, folks, it's part of the job. Um, and I know that's frustrating for many of you. I know some people are very against that right now. I know some people don't even want to do it right now. Um, you can be safe. You can do what you need to. But I'm telling you at the end of the day, you're going to get to that point and you're going to get frustrated because you know certain things need to get done. Your patient doesn't fully understand things that you do or the way that maybe your, your mind's thinking and what you're trying to achieve. Um, but you may need to do some things that help those people. And it can be tough. It can be tough. So, you know, use your best judgment. Uh, you know, try to be mindful um, and just, you know, try to keep the patient in mind, but also try to keep the fact that you're trying to get results in mind. Um, cause it's not just, you know, yourself, your reputation, it's, it's the work ultimately that you're trying to uphold, um, to show like, Hey, this is what's capable. This is what's, you know, what's possible for you. Um, it's just untimely, you know, if you would have this done two, two years ago, maybe we wouldn't be in the same boat. So, um, do what you can do what you can. It's, uh, it's hard. 
like I said, you know, we're, we're loaded out pretty far with patients, but we're kind of fixed on what I can see every week. So, um, you know, just, just do your best, uh, for those that are, uh, slower. Um, this is a tough time. This is a real tough time. Um, I myself have, you know, I don't want to say I didn't team up with anybody. Uh, I started contributing, uh, to some, I guess, charities in a sense, because I do have the privilege of working right now in Florida. Um, we're open for the most part. Um, and things are much better here. I can say than in other States. So, uh, as a small business owner, and like I'd mentioned this in the previous podcast, um, nothing's guaranteed. You kind of have to go out there and make it happen. And when we get the office back open again, cause we had to do it. Um, we, you know, just nose of the grindstone and here we are, uh, end of the year going into 2021 with a lot of hope and promise that, you know, things are doing well and we're not trying to pick up the pieces, um, from what had occurred in March. So, It's uh, just one of those things, you know, you just kind of have to do, do what you're comfortable with, uh, do what your patients are comfortable with. And, um, at the end of the day, you're going to have to make some judgment calls. I know I have, I haven't taken certain patients, uh, or I've maybe, uh, let people know that I couldn't help them just due to what needed to be done and what, you know, restrictions or what they weren't willing to do. Um, so, you know, you just kind of have to, you have to appreciate that. Um, I know that can be difficult, especially if times are hard right now. Um, but from my own personal experience, you know, being upfront, being honest with people and just being, you know, straightforward about what's going on, they'll have much more just appreciation for you. And they may then, you know, magically gain the confidence to let you do it that you need to do, or at least have confidence in you as a practitioner that they would be willing to see you in the future, um, in a different situation. So just keep that in mind. Um, we also just went through renewing our lease right now or this year. Um, for me personally, that was a bit of a scary thing because, you know, uh, earlier this year, it was like, okay, well, I was going to have to dip into a line of credit, you know, to cover rent. Uh, and I know that's a reality for a lot of people. And unfortunately some of the support that, you know, folks have gotten, that's a loan folks, you know, that's a loan. You're paying it back. Maybe not some of it, but you can pay back some of it, you know, um, loans are very different. Uh, a loan is, you know, hope for the future that things are going to get better. And for some people, things aren't looking better. Um, so for, you know, when we, we were basically looking at maybe even, I don't want to say downsizing. Um, but we were looking at a new space or going into a new space, hoping it would just put us in a more stable kind of position. And, um, part of it was some of the, um, would be the best way to describe it. Uh, some of the uncertainty with, um, the current building, current landlord situation. And, you know, we went out, it was like I hit dead end after dead end. I, it was like, you know, things would look hopeful, promising dead end. And I'm just like, 
this is not this is not the year, right? You know, just not the year. So I finally ended up um, when I kind of ran out of options as far as changing, you know, our current situation. Like, well, how can I make my can't change it? How can I at least make it better? You know, how can I if I can't you know evolve it? Um, can we get an upgrade? And one of my biggest concerns, and and as any business owner should be, and, and everybody's situation may be different. Who knows? You could do like house calls and have like a van and be worried about major van repairs. But for me, um, I was terribly concerned that I was going to get hit with, you know, five to 10 grand in uh, AC repairs. Uh, I know our unit since we moved in has, you know, had AC issues, uh, lots of ups and downs with that. Uh, minor maintenance and repair, just like tedious things that, you know, the way landscaping appearance, um, uh, functionality, maintenance of certain things, um, just always like pulling teeth, it feels like. So some things have gotten a little bit better. And then when I wasn't finding any hope that we were going to be able to move or change the situation with the clinic, I was like, all right, well, I got to try to figure out how to make this one better. And fortunately, what I found is, especially, I guess I'll talk in terms of like landlords, um, when something like this happens, um, you're affected, but the people that own the building you practice in are affected as well. Uh, and I have wealthier patients that, you know, they're flipping big payments, you know, every month for properties. And if I can't pay them, they can't pay the bank. And if I can't pay them, that doesn't change their bank situation, right? And basically, I approached my landlord and said, hey, these are my concerns due to COVID XYZ, right? Um, I stated my case, and I actually ended up in, I, I feel maybe a better situation than I would have if I were to move. And although I would have been in a different, you know, physically, uh, appearance-wise, different location, and that all comes with you know, tedious things too. You got to get new business cards, you got to change all this stuff on online and on your websites and move all the, the equipment. It's, it's a pain in the ass. It's not something you want to do all the time. Uh, and you really don't want to have to do it unless it's going to put you ultimately in a much better situation. And this was going to be an upgrade, but it was, a you know, is it worth, you know, almost kind of cutting off my arm to get away from a situation. And, um, Ultimately, we agreed on a percentage change, which if you think of starting a new lease, usually it's based off a square footage price, which, you know, things look like they're getting a little gloom for the the commercial market, but I don't think we've seen the repercussions yet of what's occurred this year on the commercial property. So I think we'll see, you know, spaces and square footage prices go down in the years to come. Um just as we adjust and even if you know the virus goes away this is from everybody realizing or all these companies realizing you can work your ass from home you log onto the computer don't come to work oh by the way you don't have to commute anymore so go ahead and work an extra hour or two and this is how things are i think are going to continue to evolve so you know for practitioners that need space i think we're going to maybe find better spaces or discounted spaces so i will just kind of you know heat a little warning there keep an eye out i know i am uh we renewed for two years but we agreed to a percentage change instead of a full square footage cost change which was 
greatly helped. And then uh, basically had written in there that uh, they would take all responsibility for the AC. And that's not how we've had it in the past. That was an ask. That was something I had to come up and say, hey, you know, I expect this taken care of fully. Um, and I, again, that comes back to I stated my case. Um, due to what's going on, I can't take on that liability. <clears throat> if I'm going to take on the liability of signing a lease saying, hey, I'm willing to pay this regardless of whether or not I'm working or not, I'm not taking on that extra risk of taking care of your equipment. So, you know, for any young therapists that are in similar situations or maybe you had to, you know, sign a lease and make something happen just to get, you know, get going what you wanted to get going. And unfortunately, if it was this year, it was bad timing, uh, especially if your state got shut down. But it's one of those things where you have to mitigate the damage to yourself. Um, you're not going to be able to, you know, float the entire ship, especially if, uh, <laughs> you can't take anything in as a therapist. And I know some people have tried getting creative and doing some online stuff and it's so, so, but you know, ultimately it comes down to, you know, hands on patients. So, you know, for those that are leasing or renting or anything like that, keep that in mind moving forward. This isn't just about, you know, keeping and maintaining patients. You've got to keep in mind on, um, the business side as well. Um, try to hold on to that, you know, that money that you're bringing in the door, especially in time like this, you never know when it's going to be scarce and, um, just try to put yourself in a good position. That's all you can do. All right. So I, um, was going to kind of get into and the business stuff or in regards to business, some of the PPP process and updates and all that stuff. But, uh, honestly, I just started my application and then the next week they passed, uh, whatever stimulus package and the PPP, I believe is going to change again. So, um, I've spoken with my CPA. If any of you have a CPA or an accountant, I would reach out to them. Uh, just get an update or if you have a banker and you've gotten PPP stuff in the past, um, you know, keep an eye out. Um, I don't know how it's going to change in the future. Obviously I'm no expert. Um, but if you're looking for it, <clears throat> um, get in contact with whatever bank you're using before, or like I said, you know, get in touch with your CPA and just keep tabs with them. Um, so if they roll out something new or if they change the application process, if you already received it, or if you're still trying to get some, you know, coming up, um, I believe that's still an option for certain people too, that have had a certain loss. Um, try to do your diligence. You know, this isn't, like I said, just about getting patients. Um, you have to try to fortify your business in other ways. And, and if there's, you know, some assistance that can help get you by, like I said, sometimes people are on the hook for that lease and they may not be taking patients in to cover that lease. So just something to keep in mind there, folks. Um, oh, so I guess kind of going back to patients before I go into the, the uh, crescendo of my <laughs> 2020 that occurred this week. Um, I had a patient who had come in she had a functional imbalance. We sorted that out. Um, her back pain started getting better. She needed some other additional treatment. She was really fixed in her pattern. Um, but things started getting better. And she came in one day 
and she wasn't, you know, she didn't have a different demeanor or, you know, seem different, uh, as far as like in a bad way or an emotional way. And, um, I measured her and I'm like, okay, things look pretty good. Laid her down and immediately started seeing all these pericardial distortions, you know, popping out of her chest. And I'm like, so what's been going on? You know, it was like, you've been, you know, stressed emotionally, you know, what, what's, what's happening? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So she gives me a little detail and I go, okay, well, you know, we have something that can help with this. So we ventured into Bach flower discussion. Uh, um, I believe this woman's around mid thirties, early thirties. And, um, she would do so good, so good. And it was the, it was the wildest thing. After we have this discussion, she didn't do the form or anything. So then she comes in again and she, it was the weirdest thing. She actually, it was like she was switching. So the, the emotional responses were evening things out. And when she would lay down, everything would pop out. Like you could see everything that was going on in her chest. But when she stood up, it was like it was pulling on it just right. And it was balancing her. So if you were to just look at her, she looked pretty symmetrical. But the minute you lay down, you see all of this other feedback going into her body. So, uh, and it kept refacilitating. So when it keep coming, kept coming back, that's when we kind of venture past its whole, you know, um, if it's reoccurring, there's something established, right? There's, there's still some, uh, noxious proprioception feeding into the system. And for her, it was her emotional responses to distresses or certain events, whatever's going on in life. So, um, we got her, I, after the second time she finally did her intake form, got on the Bach flowers and I'll tell you what a difference. Um, and this can be something that's occurring that, you know, somebody comes in and they look good and say, you just do, you know, some quick standing measurements and it look great. Um, and you start doing some things when they lay down, they may need some stuff going on there or some work going on in their gut. They may need some, some lung and pericardial work. Um, there may be something feeding back in every time you see them and they just maybe have really stressed or excuse me, anxious person. Um, and you just kind of try to figure that out, you know, does it keep reoccurring? Is it showing up? What are their patterns? Um, what are their stressors? Once you have that Bach form too, you know, that can give you a lot of insight as to where, where that stress may be coming from. And, um, you may start to find, you know, common patterns in that individual's life that you can help them recognize, um, where maybe they don't have a boundary or something. And even the Bach flowers, you know, may not be enough. They may need to be, and I always say, you know, Bach flowers are great. Neurofeedback stuff is great. Um, but if you have some, you know, some mental things that are going on, um, you know, you probably need to get with a therapist and talk it out as well. Uh, and for some people, um, learning to draw a boundary could be all they need to reduce some anxiety throughout their day. <clears throat> and instead of dumping Bach flowers on it time and time again, that may be a good, uh, good start. Uh, the way I describe it is like, you know, kind of cracking the door. So you see the potential is actually there. Um, but ultimately they have to, like I said, you know, kind of figure out the root what's, what's going on. Am I being, you know, reacted to something? Um, am I stressed? Do I, am I stressed because of, you know, things that I'm doing or not doing all that? It's a big contributing factor. So keep that in mind. But I thought that was really cool. I was like, 
I'm like, holy cow. I was like, you look, everything looks great. <laughs> the minute you lay down, all of your anxiety pops out of your chest and destroys your entire body. And, you know, she's getting all of this feedback at night when she's laying down in bed. So it's like, of course, you're not sleeping well. Of course, this isn't happening. You know, of course, all these other reactions are kind of coming about from it. So um, just interesting. Interesting. Um, so to to get into the the this week, my grand finale of 2020, um, I've definitely noticed not too many people, you know, doing the... Uh, can't wait for 2021, you know, going to be my year, et cetera, et cetera. And <laughs> I don't know, I'm usually an optimist, but I had a pretty rough week this week that makes me think 2021 is going to be leaning just as hard. Um, I had countless patients come in this week with, uh, inflamed systems. Uh, I had people developing autoimmune issues, I had people developing, or um, having uh, resurgence uh, of autoimmune issues or flare-ups. Um, and then I had a woman who actually went into a full-blown vertigo episode. Um, it was rather unfortunate. She didn't have a history of this except for last year. And as I learned more, uh, there seemed to be a lot of emotional um mental, physical stressors. Um, her neck was in very bad shape. Um, and when she came in, you know, it wasn't anything that was uncommon. It's just like, okay, you know, we need to address this. We need to address this. So I started working around and worked on this patient for nearly 45 minutes. Um, and she went into this severe episode and, um, ended up having to contact her husband and I contacted, um, uh, the paramedics just to be careful or just to be safe so they could check her out. Uh, cause she was, she was spouting off some very unusual, crazy symptoms. So I was like, okay, well, I'm a little concerned now, so we got to get you checked out. And, um, it, it, thankfully they came out, they checked her out. She was fine. Everything was okay. She was just having a severe episode. And when her husband got there, he elaborated on, um, you know, what had kind of happened last year around the same time. And, they weren't quite sure what it was, but, um, seeing the, this pattern evolve or emerge, um, I believe what I'm going to end up finding out is this patient has a very strong pattern, emotional pattern of around the holidays, you know, missing family, which many of us do. Um, it's something I know my family, especially cause you know, parts, uh, down here, parts in Indiana, um, Amanda's family parts in Chicago parts down here, um, missing family around the holidays is always extremely hard. And then when you sprinkle on, you know, too much activity, wrapping presents, gift shopping, gift shopping, overindulging, you know, bad posture, um, staying up late, sleeping in weird positions, uh, it was like everyone was surfing this wave of cortisol into the holidays and the holidays was just the waves crashing on the rocks. Um, so <clears throat> I don't know if this is something I'm just seeing in my office, but it seems like going into this year, we're going to be picking up the pieces because many people have been stressed. We know mental health is a big unknown subject or unspoken of subject right now. Um, 
people are not doing well. Uh, their bodies are reacting to it. <clears throat> They're reacting to it mentally. Um, and it's just going to be a lot. Uh, and I think for many people, the holidays is just the cherry on top. Uh, if their body was going to give at any time, it would give after months of being stressed uh, with uncertainty and then crashing into the normal protocol of the holidays, which we all kind of, you know, wrapping presents, going out, maybe drinking more, eating more. Um, all in all, your body's being bombarded in a way that it typically isn't all year, where there's usually a little more balance. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if that's just a heed to caution or if it was just an off week, um, but I found it very unusual. We were only open up open three days this week, and um, every day, every patient, I feel like I can say 80% of my patients came in with a significant or severe issue or their body was very flame inflamed, um, very flared up, uh, due to, uh, like I said, not just the, you know, the indulgences, but the, the stresses, the, the mental stresses, and then the physical ones that come along with, you know, maybe traveling if you were, um, or sleeping in weird positions, or, you know, you go to bed late cause you're out late and, you know, fall asleep on the couch or do something like that. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but those little subtleties, those little subtleties, I just had a woman, I treated, I saw uh, out in public and she was telling me that, uh, she started feeling, I don't know, some tingling in her shoulder or something like that, uh, sleeping. And she, because of, you know, getting treated by me and what we had talked about, she immediately assessed what was going on in her situation. What was different the past few days. And she realized she had either unconsciously put an, an extra pillow on her bed or maybe, she got new pillows. I don't know the situation. She ended up with an extra pillow on her bed. Well, guess what? It was flexing her spine. She was having all sorts of issues with her neck. It was causing problems with her shoulder. The minute she changed that pattern, boom, everything went back to normal. Now, you know, she may have, she may still be holding onto a little bit of that. Could she maybe benefit from some treatment? Yeah, sure, sure. But at the same time, you know, one of the things that we're trying to educate patients on is not only treating them and getting them well, but educating them on understanding their body, having that, that awareness. Um, this kind of goes back to the, you know, helping your child understand pain, um, getting that passed along generationally so that we begin to change our views, uh, on these ideas and how we're, we're conducting ourselves, you know, when we interact with them. Um, you know, pain is to be avoided at certain times and other times it's, it's to be an indication something's going on. Um, which in both cases it can be, but you know, one may be able to resolve immediately. The other one may, you know, take some time, especially if it's a, obviously a bone break. Don't go bro rub bones that are broken. If I need to say that, jeez. So, um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty much it for this podcast. Um, hopefully that'll be it for 2020. And, uh, like I said, this is January 2nd. So we're segueing into 2021 now and uh who knows what will come but i hope everybody's uh doing well if you can't uh if you can't practice right now or can't practice as much as you want um i would definitely uh, say put that time into yourself uh, or your family uh, both will be well spent well i hope you all uh wish you the best wish you the best for 2021 and happy new year to you talk to you next time